This is Unbroken, healing through storytelling. Just to let you know, we have a vodcast on YouTube where you can watch the edited highlights of the episode. And don't forget to subscribe. If you fancy the full audio version, symbols, just keep listening. Oh, and if you've got a second, please give us five stars and a review. It really helps us stand out and get this important message to even more people that need to hear it the most. Meantime, enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Amy Connell. She earned her first Scottish national team cap at 14 and has been following her passion with the sport around the world since. She started an online business at 18 to allow her to pursue her passion and build an income alongside traveling and competing as a self-funded karate athlete. In 2015, she suffered a career-threatening injury with doctors saying she might not be able to compete again. Though, through two years of rehabilitation and persistence, she returned to competition, going on to win British titles and a European medal. She uses this experience to help people going through tough times in their life and to find the joy in every day. Most recently, she represented Team GB in contention for the Tokyo Olympics for 2020. Wearing the tracksuit and representing Great Britain was something she could only have dreamed of as a little girl. What do you love about karate? For me, growing up, I think I learned so much from it in terms of like as a discipline. Um, like I learned respect in that way. Our club is very traditional, so I learned a lot of like good habits and manners that I really took forward into my adult life as well. It was especially because I actually done really well with the World Championships. I came seventh there, so like my athlete career was on a really high at that point. Um, we had really big competitions coming up next year. And I remember just like in, the, in an instance, everything changing when the doctor came back in and showed us what the, what the actual you know scenario was. It was like a complete shock and kind of like it took a while for it to really sink in because I think I had casts on my legs straight away and I don't think it was really until I got home and I sat down and I was like, wow, like this is completely turned my life upside down. I was still an athlete behind it all and I still had this goal of me on a podium at like a big competition where I still wanted to be that person. It was emotional actually. <laughs> you can do whatever you want in this life and you can push through tough times and you can overcome them. So welcome to the show, Amy. So lovely to have you here with us today. It's taken a few attempts, but great that you're here. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on this. You're so welcome. So, because my show is called Unbroken, the very first question I ask every guest is, what does that word unbroken mean to you? It's it's really interesting because when you asked this question at first, I like the surface level answer was, well, it means we've gone through something and we've came out the other side stronger. Um, but the more I kind of thought about it, I realised that there's things that sometimes we go through that in life that don't actually make us stronger necessarily from what we've we've gone through. Obviously, we know the saying like "what doesn't kill you makes you stronger," but mm-hmm. when you think about that, there's definitely things that have happened in my life that haven't actually made me a stronger person. But I've learned so much from the experiences, like, and I've grown from them, and I've kind of been able to make them <clears throat> part of my new journey and part of my new story. Um, and I know the same for a lot of other people, like what they've gone through has shaped them as a person. Um, so for me, Unbroken really means that you've brought that into your own life and it's now your new story going forward. So it's almost like a tool for personal development for you in some way. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. 
So what I should say to people is that me and Amy have something in common, that we both go to the same karate club, but that is where any similarities end because your dad is my senzi, but I didn't start till I was 41. Um, was it just inevitable that you had to go to karate because your dad has been, you know, a senzi, I don't know for how many years, and practicing karate ever since he was a boy? Was it just inevitable? I think so. I just, I, I was about three years old when I went along to this first class and I was just a little girl following her dad about doing karate because that was like our family thing that we'd done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really just fell in love with the sport. I, I started competing when I was about nine years old and just the rest is kind of history from there. It kind of just fell into place from there. Because it's your mum, it's your dad, it's your sister. Yeah, I was going to say it's your brother-in-law, but technically not your brother-in-law, but it's all all your family are so involved. And now your nephews as well. We see them at club as well. So they started just like you from a tiny tot. So what is it that you love about karate? Because I tell people that there's two kind of competitions. There's uh, kata, which is like our kind of sequence, kind of you know performance that people put together. And then there's a kumite, which is what you do, which is fighting. So what do you love about karate? For me, growing up, I think I learned so much from it in terms of like as a discipline. Um, like I learned respect in that way. Our club is very traditional, so I learned a lot of like good habits and manners that I really took forward into my adult life as well. Um, and I know that you probably feel feel the same with that. It's such a a culture that you're you're brought into, and it makes you a better person. I feel like karate Absolutely. is definitely a more respectful person in, in my normal life as well. But for me, in terms of the competition side, I just I loved bettering myself and pushing myself, and it's you know, it's a roller coaster being an athlete. There's up, there's downs, there's there's everything in between. But I I love that part. I kind of thrive off of that, um, trying to get better at everything. Mm-hmm. And you say there's ups and downs, but we know that in 2015, I think it was, you suffered a, a career-threatening injury, as we say. Do you know how you became injured? It was actually a, a compound of over time. Um, I was training for the World Championships in, in Bremen that year. And on the lead up, we'd obviously been training really hard and a lot of explosive plyometric training and things like that. And I think like most athletes, I thought it was just shin splints. I kept training on it and pushed it aside and thought that it would be OK after. Um, and it wasn't until after the competition that I then got it checked out and we realised how serious the actual injury was. But you were, were you in a wheelchair at one point or you were on crutches? Yeah, I was in a wheelchair for two months. Um, yeah, it was, I was so grateful to have good people around me to, that really helped me and supported me throughout that experience. But it was a really tough time mentally for but, but what a contrast. One minute you're going to training, you know, for a competition in Bremen and then you're in a wheelchair. You couldn't get more of a contrasting situation. No, it was especially because I actually done really well with the world championships I came seventh there so like my athlete career was on a really high at that point and um, we had really big competitions coming up the next year and I remember just like in, the, in an instance everything changing when the doctor came back in and showed us what that, what the actual you know scenario was it was like a complete shock and kind of like it took a while for it to really sink in because I think I had casts on my legs straight away and I don't think it was really till I got home and I sat down and I was like wow like this is completely turn my life upside down. Mm-hmm. And what I know of you is that you are always upbeat. You're always positive. Your Instagram, if you're not on Instagram, if people don't follow you, go and follow Amy. She will inspire you every day. Um, you're always upbeat, but you must have been 
devastated, heartbroken from being seventh in the world to, shit, what am I going to do? What if this is taken away from me? How did you get through those dark days? It was it was really tough. And like you see, like I do, I always look on the, the bright side of life and I'm always quite like half um, half cup fools, that's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was tough. Like it, the first the first instance, because I'm as somebody who was maybe I think I was maybe like 20 at the time, I'd never really suffered something where I wasn't in control before. Um, so this was the first time where I had people who were in that profession saying you'll never be able to do what you love again. Um <sighs> And for, for me to hear that as an athlete when that's all I've ever wanted to do was was devastating. Um, and I'm lucky I have, I have a great group of people around me, my mum, my dad, my sister, my coach, like they are incredible people. So they were there being like, just do your best. Just we'll try and get back. We'll, we, there's no harm in trying. Um, and that's probably what kept me going. I had good people around me. My mentality was just there's no harm in you just trying your best to get back to the level that you want to get back to. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you want to give it everything you can. Um, So after, it definitely took me a, I say that now as if it was easy. It wasn't an easy decision. You know, it was was probably a week and a half, two weeks to, of just tears and upset and and a lot of kind of heartache at that time. But eventually I got to a point where I thought there's no harm in pushing myself to see Mm -hmm. how much we can do. And I think as a club member, you know, watching from inside, it was, like so shocking for all of us you know how how could that happen to amy you know how could that happen to you like she's super fit she's number seven and you know in the world it was shocking so how did you get your way back you said you only had about a week and a half of heartbreak which which is hard to imagine only that short time 10 days what did it involve to get back to where you're at now because now i think you're even fitter than you were then yeah i think for me, over over, so it's probably about a two year rehabilitation where mm-hmm. um, the first eight weeks was just in a wheelchair. I couldn't actually do anything. So during that time, I was working just on my mentality, like being exposed to positive things as much as I can. And um, I, I actually took myself away from sport completely, though. If I'm honest, um, I couldn't go to the club to watch. I couldn't do that stuff because it was really hard mentally um to watch my my fellow peers doing everything that I wanted to do and knowing I might never get back to that um so you have to be a little bit selfish I think at that point and just but that makes total sense doesn't it because it was you were still caught in not knowing will I actually ever get to where I want to be again or will I mean you must have thought I could stay like this I might not improve at all yeah absolutely so it was just that was a time where I really kind of looked inward I think and, and worked on my own mental health and mental um, like growth as much as I physically could um, because I couldn't physically do anything but I knew that I could mentally try to get stronger and to, to just kind of better that side of what I could do in my control. And you, you say it like oh, I just worked on my mental health or you know, I just worked on my inner strength but where does that strength to look inward come from you know you're in a wheelchair you're relying on others now for the first time in your life people have to help you which is hard to accept as well isn't it but where does that strength come from no I'm actually going to just work on my mindset right now I think if I'm honest I still like although I kind of although the situation I was in I was still an athlete behind it all and I still had this goal of me on a podium at like a big competition where I still wanted to be that person so I think although the body and the way that I was right there didn't connect with that goal mm-hmm. I still had it and I still was like you know what I really want to be back as this person and I'd heard stories before I'm 
quite close to someone called um, Sir David Andrew Smith. I know to... David well, yes. We've never met, but I know him, obviously, through the club and everything, yeah. Yeah, so he, he was a big influence on in me um, and I remember going to his talks and hearing him, how he would visualise himself being back after his injuries and, and everything that he went through and I was just like, if he can do that, I'm going to do that too and it kind of went from there um, and just, that was, my, that was my starting point and I tried to just build it from there and I see it now because it's five, seven years on and it's easier to talk about now but it was really hard at the time, it wasn't easy so if anyone else listens to this and you're going through something, it's it's tough and there's, the days are very hard, but there is light sometimes Absolutely. at the end. Absolutely. And, and I think what you're saying is to focus on people. I mean, David's situation, he's had cancer many, many times and he's changed his sport. He's now a Paralympic, but he's come back and he's come back. And watching his videos of him, you know, had a stroke down one side, trying to train. It, it really is like that man, if you looked grit up in the dictionary, resilience, they would have his name. They, they must do. I've yeah. never met anyone quite like him. So through your persistence, your mindset and your training, you got back two years later and you're back to competitions. What did that feel like? <laughs> Goodness, it was it was emotional actually. Um, I think I'm quite an emotional person. Oh, I'm, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. <laughs> um, I remember actually my first like my first competition back was a a local one actually, um, and just being able to be on that mat again was unbelievable. Like it just, I think I came off it just being so grateful to be able to put a suit back on to to walk on to to a pod, uh, like a podium again and just loved it again I really just loved that feeling so I hear that gratitude and you know amazed that you're back on the mat in your suit but was there a fear that oh, I better not kick someone or I might get injured again I might break my legs again in some way was that carried with you as well yeah it definitely was and for a long period even after I was back to competing I definitely changed my training a lot I didn't do as much explosive stuff I was quite worried about running ever again um because I thought impact I don't want that repetitive impact to happen again um so for a long time I definitely protected myself as, as a natural instinct and I definitely didn't do any a lot of kicking probably went out of the window um for a long period of time until I felt more comfortable back into doing kind of everything that I would do before and, and is it something that potentially could come back or do you know enough about the mechanics now of your body and the condition that you can protect yourself I think it's something that obviously it, it can come back, but now I'm so much stronger now than I was before, like nutrition wise, like I've definitely looked into every area of my life and they've been, I'm a much stronger athlete in person now in terms of like physically because of what I've, what I've like educated myself on since then. So we're, we're in a really good place now for competing. Because what people don't understand is, you know, when someone's an Olympian or, you know, an athlete, it's not just your discipline that you train in. You, you go to the gym, you lift weights, you do stretches, you do yoga, you, you run. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's everyday training? Yeah, I do six days. I have one, one rest day. Two days. And maybe sometimes more than once in a day or? Yeah, two, two sessions a day, kind of like five or six days a week. Yeah, that's, you know, I think I'm good getting to the gym three times a week, but that is, yeah, it's a whole different level. So you then make the Team GB. Can you tell us how that came about? That was in 2019, um, and the qualification for that was to medal at the European Championships. And for me, this was my first senior European medal. Um, I had 
ones as junior but obviously coming back from injury and, and being an adult now it's different um so for me that was that was probably the highlight of my entire career um you know, must that, be <laughs> um being on that podium and then realizing afterwards that we were part of team gb that again was the icing on the cake because as i think i said in my bio like as a little girl team gb was just like the epitome of what i would have dreamed to be in that tracksuit one day um and the entire experience of being part of Team GB was just everything I could have hoped for and more. And then, sadly, we know that 2020, the Tokyo Olympics, got cancelled because of COVID, which meant they then took, they, they did take place the following year, didn't they, 2021? Mm-hmm. But then you no longer qualified for the team. So your chance at going to the Olympics was kind of taken away from you because if it hadn't been COVID, you would have been there. And actually, I was planning to go to Tokyo as well and, and watch someone that I knew in the Olympics. It would have been terribly exciting. How did you cope with yet another massive disappointment? That that was probably the toughest, I think, um, for me, because it was something that we had been working towards and envisioning and hoping that it would happen. Um, for a long time, we'd been chasing points for um, maybe five years um, <clears throat> towards that. So for me that was really tough um and I think people around me know that maybe it took me a good month I would say to to get back to any form of kind of my normal self I took myself completely away and I just needed to really I was upset I think for a long time and I think it's okay to say that (laughs) um well I could not imagine anything more devastating for an athlete you've come back from injury you've trained and worked your butt off you're going to the Olympics what could be more exciting? And then to have that taken away, yeah, it must just be. And, and for a team, you know, our club, it was brilliant. We've got someone going to the Olympics. It was so exciting. But so what people don't understand is you have to win certain competitions and you have to qualify. And then because it was a year later, you didn't quite meet those qualifications. Yeah. So it was it was tough because I think, like, it was never inevitable that we were going, but it was always that little bit of, like, we could do this type thing that was always there so um and as an athlete you need to think like that um so that for me that was probably yeah, mentally really tough coming back from that because I remember thinking what's next like that was the epitome of sport and yes. um, coming back and and once I got to a point where I was like I still love my sport I still love what I do um I'm so grateful that we still have world championships European championships like there's a bigger goal still to push for and um, once I got to that point it was exciting to get back to training again, but it, it definitely... It wasn't a part of you that thought, that's it, I, I can't do this anymore? Oh, there definitely was at first. <laughs> I, I, that's what I would think, oh, well, God, all that work, I'm, I'm just not doing it. <laughs> but you're not a quitter. No, absolutely. Though I think that it's so natural to have that. And I, and I definitely, it's probably the first day in my career I've ever had that feeling of just like, I'm done. Like, I don't want to do this ever. Um and it did last longer than I thought. It probably lasted a good month when I was like, nope, I'm good. Um, but then like, I took a step back and I, and I started to calm down and, and realise everything. I really realised that I love what I do. I love karate. Like, I, I've always loved it as a little girl. Um, and for me, I wasn't ready to, to give that up yet. I, I knew that I still had a lot of progress to do as an athlete. I knew that I could get mm-hmm. better um, and to push myself more and, and to give it back because... A lot of people were are watching you thinking, oh, are they going to give up now? Like, is that it? And for me, that did push me on probably because I wanted to keep going for other people to go. You don't just need to give up when things get tough. You can push forward and, Absolutely. you know, still grow from there. 
And what people might not know is that the next Olympic Games will take place in France. And my knowledge of karate is not the same as yours, but I know that they are bigger players than even Japan, which people are surprised at. And they've taken karate away, which I don't understand because we fought to get it back for 2020 for a long time. So you don't even have the option of trying again. So it would be 2028 or 2029. I'm not sure with the numbers now. And that seems to be quite a lot for you to you know, aim to get back in seven or eight years' time. So that dream has really gone now, hasn't it, Olympic dream? Yeah. Um, and I think that was the, the toughest part. Like, if we had one in 2024, I would have probably been OK because yeah. it was my time and I would have been able to kind of re- regroup and then push forward for the next one. But the fact that we that was a one and only opportunity was, was heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it was tough. Yeah. And so, but you went back and you've competed and you have a new current title, which you could proudly tell us all, please. Where are you at now? Um, We just came back from the British Championships a couple of weeks ago, so I became British champion. (laughs) And you say, like, I became British champion. British champion, that is just phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And where do you hope to go now after this? What are the, the next big competitions so the next big one I have is European Championships um, in four weeks' time. So it's coming along. Yeah. And the training and everything is going great. Going great, yeah. Looking forward to that. And then at the end of the year, we have the Commonwealth Championships. So that'll be really exciting as well. Yeah. yeah and it's a busy, busy year now because everything had been cancelled and it's, everything is kind of all happening now, really, isn't it? Yeah, all back to normal, which is yeah. nice to see everything back to back to. Normality. And does it give you enough time to compete, come back, refresh, retrain, compete again? It sounds like full on from what we've been used to. It's funny though because before before COVID, um, like I actually was away probably every second weekend yes. for points for Olympics. Whereas this, I'm like, wow, I've got a full month in between. So I'm actually quite enjoying the the new schedule that we have. It's it's nice to be able to to train come back and train and then compete in between so it's a really good good schedule so easier so we said at the beginning that you like to use your experience of when you were in a pretty hopeless place to show other people that actually you you can go through tough times and you can come back and you you talk about finding the joy in your life how do you use your story to show other people what what ways do you mean um different ways like I've done kind of different talks with like schools and things like that because I think for me looking back like I was always inspired by people who'd who would share their journey and share their story and oh like obviously this entire podcast is is all is all geared towards it and I think it's phenomenal what you're doing with it because Thank just you. what people need like we love to hear real life stories of people Absolutely. that have, you know maybe gone through things that are similar to us or that we can relate to or that really help us understand things in life and um, so yeah I want to be able to to give that back to people to let them see like you can do whatever you want in this life and you can push through tough times and you can overcome them. And that for me is, is what I really want to be able to do in life. That's brilliant. And you say you find the joy and the gratitude. I mean, really, most days you're posting about that. How, I mean, how do you manage just to focus on that? Because, you know, there's, there are lots of bumps in the road which you've experienced. How can you always find the joy or the gratitude? I think, I mean, I will totally admit 
you're not going to always feel like it. It's yeah. not. There's some definitely days when I'm writing my gratitude and I'm like having a really bad day, but I make myself write it because it makes you really realise that there are things still to be grateful for. Um, no matter how hard your day is or no matter what you're going through right now, like you, if you're writing this down, you've got a roof over your head or you, you know, you've got running water. Like there's so much to be grateful for that we forget the little things yes. when we have other things going on. Yes, um, and, and the little things really are the big things sometimes, aren't they? 100%. Yeah. I remember one of the very first talks that I gave years ago, there was um, a guy from the British Army who was in the audience and he came and spoke to me afterwards and he told me this lovely saying, whilst every day may not be good, there is good in every day. And that's just always stayed with me. I just thought that was just uh, really beautiful. So your dad really has created something quite magical. It it does feel that it's it's more than just where people go to exercise, put on a white suit and do their karate. You know, obviously we all enter at different ages and people are all there for different reasons. What is it about that karate family, that environment, do you think that he has created? Because it is it is very magical, I think. Yeah, it's very yes, I agree, it's very special. Um and I think he is a great person. I think he, you know, like He's a as a warm person. He's a that type of person who just knows how to create a good good group environment. Um, and obviously he's been doing that for fifty odd years. And I, what I love is we meet people out for shopping that are like Sensei, and they've not seen him for thirty years, but he mm-hmm. taught them a bit, and like he's impacted their life in some way. And I think that that's what karate can really do. Like whether you come to karate for a year or you're here for the the long haul twenty odd years, it really can make a difference in your life. And I think that the culture that we have with our club is just second to none because of the people that we have, the quality of good people that are there and that culture that he creates. Absolutely. So recently we had a a visiting uh, teacher and he was a student of your dad's years ago, but now he specialises in Krav Maga and he is an orthopaedic surgeon. And it was so amazing to hear him say that every time he starts an operation, he goes through in his mind a, a catacene and he, that just sets him up and then he's grounded and he's ready to perform and you think gosh if I need an operation I would like him <laughs> I would like him to be the one to do it <laughs> but yeah isn't it amazing how he still carries that through with him yeah it's it's incredible and I think that is that's why I do love karate because just it, like I said it started impacts every part of your life it really does give you a good grounding to to take forward absolutely it's it's kind of really like a a community or a family really in some ways isn't it very supportive so we're kind of coming to the end it kind of time goes by so quickly do you have um any advice for anyone I guess that's listening in or something that you would like to say that we haven't covered just about I guess your mindset looking for the positive trying to remain so positive all the personal work that you do because you do whatever you do I think you do 110 percent I don't know whether that's being a product of your parents or that's just your makeup but you do you put everything into everything that you do yeah um I think just for anybody who is listening like that is the biggest thing I would say like for me when you're doing something just be fully present in what you're doing I think that sometimes especially in this the world we live in now it can be so easy to do a million different things but we never really do them right um I think for me, I've really worked out, especially over the past, past couple of years, like be fully present. If you're at home with your family, be fully present there. Like if you're at work, be fully present there and, and give it everything you've got and you're training in the gym, do it there. Like give it everything. And life is more fun when you're pushing yourself and you're fulfilled from that. And really, you'll feel the same. Like when I come away from a training session and I've worked my butt off, I feel amazing after it. 
Um, we might work at quite different, slightly different levels, you and I. <laughs> but yes, I do. Even I can still enjoy it. <laughs> so given that that fulfilment we get as humans is from pushing ourselves to our max and going to bed accomplished, feeling like we really worked hard today and, and we had a good, a good day. Yeah, you, you say you push yourself to your max, but you also really step outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is really how we then grow, really, isn't it? Because a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing really does grow there. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that that's definitely something that I've, over the past few years, I've became a lot more aware of. Like, I, I am somebody who does like, doesn't like change that much. I'm, I'm very happy in my, um, in my way things are, but I do realise that we need to step out to grow and we need to push ourselves. And, and it's also doing the things that we don't want to do. That's really where the, the growth happens, isn't it? Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's really everything that you've said has been great. You know, we need to step out to grow, I think, is a really good place to end. So it just leaves me to thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. Unbroken healing through storytelling. If you haven't already, go on, download, subscribe, give us a five-star rating. It really helps us get this important and life-changing message out to as many people as possible. There is already a selection of fantastic episodes to choose from and a brand new one coming soon. Unbroken, healing through storytelling. Playing now on all the main platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher for Android, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and here. Play Unbroken, the podcast with Madeline Black.